Hi, welcome back everybody. There was a question in the uh, chat that I'd like to respond to before I, I continue. And it was a, a question about um, a quotation I read from a, a Japanese Zen Buddhist teacher named Suzuki Roshi. Roshi is a, means teacher, basically master. And uh, I was I was quoting his um, something he said. He has a he has a book called Zen Mind Beginner's Mind. It's a small thin book, and um, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's been translated into many languages, but I know it's in English. And um, it's a beautiful little book um, with a lot of very wise things in it. And um, but at one point, so he, he spoke in the title of the book about beginner's mind. And so the question was asking about beginning meditators and, and experienced meditators. And, you know, some of us, we, I might some days you ask me, I'll put myself in the beginning meditator category. That's a subjective uh, perception that any one of us might feel differently at different times. I mean, I've been meditating quite seriously for 30 years, but in many ways, I still think of myself as a beginner. But in that quotation, uh, in this one that I shared, he said, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, in the, but in the expert's mind, there are few. And I think it just points to more of an attitude that I think is really helpful for all of us, is that we have this kind of open attitude. Some people, some teachers have called it don't know mind. Because if we feel like we know something, if we consider ourselves experienced or, and, or an expert, perhaps, he used the word expert, Suzuki Roshi, then we, um, sometimes that gets in the way of, of seeing what's really going on. <laughs> So this idea of a beginner's mind or a don't know mind, it's just an attitude of openness and exploration and curiosity. And well, let me see, what is it like now? <laughs> Rather than seeing through the lens of all that I think I know or all of the ideas I have about the way things are. We can have a lot of ideas about the way things are and they can sometimes keep us from seeing the way things really are in the moment. Or ideas about the way it should be or the way I want it to be. And what we're interested in is the way it is. And that's a beautiful aspect of meditation. You'll probably hear me say this over and over in different ways is in any moment, you can try this right now, just Turn the mind a little bit inwards. If it helps you to close your eyes for a moment, you can do that. And just sort of ask yourself, what is it like for me right now? What is, what's my experience right now? In a very simple way. In a, in a good way, we can say, okay, this is the feeling of the body sitting or whatever posture you're in. This is what that's like. And you don't have to say it's like this, this, just say it's like this in really simple, direct 
way. This is the quality of the mind right now. So for example, right now you might feel sleepy or wakeful, restless or bored, happy or unhappy. And that's all good, it's fine. You might be feeling low energy, high energy, glad you're doing the retreat, wishing you'd never signed up, but now you feel obligated to do it, figuring out how you can gracefully get out of it, <laughs> run away. It's all fine. No, there's no problem. You don't have to fix that. You just have to know, oh, it's like this now. <laughs> Your mind might be scattered and all over the place. Fine. You might be, might be very calm and collected and present. That's fine too. So we can know in any moment it's like this. And, and so um, I don't know how I got onto that, but anyway, <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> but we can see in any moment, how can I adopt this attitude of beginner's mind? You know, when I went to my first meditation retreat, it was in person, it was 10 days long, I had not done any meditation at all. And I didn't really know anything. And it was just, everything was, was really hard and it was beautiful and it changed my trajectory of my life, went in a completely different direction. But I had this openness and fear and worry and everything else, all there, all good. And sometimes I, I wish, I can't reclaim that mind, but I can adopt an attitude that's sort of like, okay, I don't know. Someone in my group said, I came to the retreat. My intention is born of just curiosity. I'm just curious. I'm interested. That's great. Let's just have some interest. What, what is this? What's it like right now? What, is, what does it mean to have a body and a mind? What does it mean to be a human? being. So in a few minutes, we're going to, we're going to do some chanting in this Pali language, if you want to. You do not have to do it, but there's an invitation to do that. And, and it's kind of a, to me, it's like this formal beginning of the retreats, like we create when we come together like this, we can create this kind of retreat container, you could say, this kind of sacred space. And things we've talked about, like Anna's really wonderful suggestion, this, this room, this is my meditation hall. This um, larger area, this is my meditation center. That's creating, this is the container for my retreat. I have, I have my space, I have my place. And then I create my container inwardly also through turning the mind in particular ways. I'm gonna turn the mind in this way for this retreat, for this time, because I, I, I have this possibility. Take this retreat and make it a gift that you're giving to yourself. I'm gonna give myself this gift of this time to explore and look and see, come and see for myself. And so this chanting that we like to do, I like to do, not everyone does this, at the start of a retreat is this ancient chant called the refuges and the precepts. 
and it's familiar to some of you and it's brand new maybe to some of you. And um, it's, it's kind of in, in three parts, maybe four. <laughs> the first part is this homage, it's like a reflection. So it sounds really Buddhist. And, and if you're not interested in being a Buddhist, doing this chant is not gonna turn you into one. So don't worry about it. But if you have concerns, you don't have to do it if you're afraid of it making you something you don't want to be. Don't worry. Do not worry. But it is, it's a way of kind of turning the mind. And we can't chant with all of the all of us with our our unmuted because it it's you know our it doesn't <laughs> doesn't line up. And that's too bad because it's really wonderful, but it doesn't work online. Someone should Zoom should fix that, but they, <laughs> they haven't fixed it. So I'm gonna have to lead it and you're gonna do it if you wish to on your own. And, and so I'm gonna talk about the first part. So it begins with this homage, which is this reflection. It's translated as homage to the noble, blessed noble and perfectly enlightened one. But it's this sense of offering this attitude of respect and, um, and yeah, paying respect to something that we hold as worthy of respect. And so we can look and see, well, what does it mean to, to pay respect to something? And so this chanting that we'll do is called the refuges and the precepts. And I'll talk a little bit about the, this idea of refuge and lead the chanting in that part. I think I'm going on and on too much, but I wanted to answer that question. So if we run over, I might run over five minutes uh, to, to, to uh, before we get to the second part. So a refuge is a, like a safe place. And in this tradition, we take refuge in what is called the triple gem. And the triple gem is refuge in Buddha, in Dhamma, and in Sangha. Buddha is the uh, word uh, that the, is used for this historical teacher. And it comes from the root of the same word to be awake. And so the Buddha dis is described as the awakened one and refuge in Buddha can be refuge in that historical figure if that has meaning for you, or it can be refuge in this quality of wakefulness of being awake. That's possible for any one of us. So in that short little meditation right there, what, how is it like, what's, what's it like right now? It's like this. There's that quality of being awake to the moment. I can wake up right now. I can come back to present moment mindfulness, present moment awareness. So we, that's a safe place, a refuge, because that's always possible. It doesn't matter what it's like. It's like this. So we wake up to Dhamma. So the second triple gem, Dhamma or Dharma in Sanskrit, is um, can be seen in, in a couple of ways. So the Dharma, well, there's Buddha Dharma, Buddha as a teacher, Dharma, the teachings, the teachings of the Buddha. That's what that means, Buddha Dharma, Buddha's teachings. So that can be, um, there's this wealth of teachings. We may have a relationship to that. They've been practiced for 2,600 years nearly. And, and that may feel like a refuge. I have this refuge in these, these teachings and these practices. But Dharma or Dhamma in Pali also means 
you could say reality or nature or the truth of things, the way it really is. I like to think of it as the law of nature. <laughs> and so wakefulness as Buddha awakens to Dhamma or Dharma, the way it is. So in every moment when we come back to present, that is Buddha knowing Dhamma, Buddha knowing Dhamma, wakefulness knowing reality, wakefulness knowing nature. Does this make some sense? Somebody shake your head. <laughs> so, so we have that possibility then. So we have these teachings that were well taught as <laughs> one of the reflections. So wakato bhagavata dhammo, the teachings well expounded, well taught by the blessed one. But then we also know Dhamma as nature, as reality, as the truth of things. So when my, I wake up to this right now. And then we have this refuge in the third triple gem Sangha, which is um, the group of, of practitioners. There are the Buddha's disciples who practiced when he was alive and teaching and realized what he taught. And then there's Sangha, this group of practitioners here that we are creating with this retreat and there's this um this as i spoke about earlier this sort of um, heart inclining towards uh developing uh, wisdom and compassion and um seeing clearly this orientation that we share and this aspiration whatever we hold is a kind of aspiration to um, something that we feel is this something that we hold dear and we we steer in the direction of this possibility to be awake in the same way as the Buddha was. Because the Buddha said, if it weren't possible for you to practice and understand these things, I wouldn't ask you to try and do it. But it is possible, and so I ask you to try. <laughs> so the Buddha was a human being like us, had this practice and did these this this had this enlightenment experience and said this is possible for human beings for other beings all beings and so I ask you to practice in this way and so we we have this aspiration all of us in our different ways to realize some deep kind of happiness or contentment or peace or what we might call freedom. We have different words. And I do hope I'm not speaking too quickly. But if you get every few words, that's enough, probably. And so find, feel what, feel into what that is for you. And then I'm going to steer in that direction. And I'm going to use these practices to help me steer in the direction of what leads to um, happiness and contentment in the deepest way the deepest possible version of that. I'm going to steer towards that in my life. So I want to um, lead us in this chanting. Some of you, it may be familiar. Some of you never heard of it. Is there anyone who has done this chanting of the refuges and precepts? Anybody done it? Okay, good. So it will be familiar. And so what I want to do is I will do the, the homage one. And I think, did we get it 
pasted it somewhere in the chat. No. Um, I can do it. Just okay. Thank you. I um my. I don't know how to do screen sharing or I would screen share, but I'd probably just do something horrible if I tried. So, okay. Here is the homage and the three refuges there in the chanting. So I'm gonna do, so it's things are repeated in threes in this tradition. So I'm gonna do the namotasa one time by, and you can hear, and then we'll do it three times more together. So it'll be four altogether. And then we'll go on to the next one and I'll kind of break it down. And we're just gonna do it in the Pali part, so not the English. So I like to hold my hands in this posture when I do this. This is called Anjali Mudra. It's a gesture of respect. You may do that if you wish, you don't have to. It's uh, the way I learned to practice. So I'll do this once. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. And then we'll do three times together and just join as best you can. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Buddhang saranangachami. Dhammang saranangachami. Sangham saranangachami. And we do it a second time. Dutiyampi, that means for the second time. Dutiyampi, Buddhang Saranang Chami. Dutiyampi, Dhammang Saranang Chami. Dutiyampi, Sangham Saranang Chami. And a third time, we say Tatiyampi. Tatiyampi Buddhang Saranangga Chami. Tatiyampi Dhammang Saranangga Chami. Tatiyampi Sangham Saranangga Chami. So we go to the Triple Gem for a place of safety, of refuge, of security. So now um, Anna will talk to us about the precepts, which is another um, aspect of creating this retreat container. And we'll do some more chanting with that. Okay, thank you, Greg. Um, so if we start by reflecting on what is it that we are actually doing here on this retreat and on this path of practice? Um, there are many ways of framing that, many perspectives into what is it that we are actually doing here. One, one way of framing that that Greg mentioned was that we are, we are interested in the 
happiness and contentment in the deepest possible way. That's where the path is heading. Another way of expressing that is, is that, 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 that the path is heading towards freedom from suffering, towards freedom from all unnecessary suffering and dissatisfaction and, and distress. And yet another perspective into this is this by, by the British teacher Stephen Batchelor, who expresses the the the, the where the path is path, path of practice is leading into learning how to fully flourish as human beings, how to fully flourish as human beings, kuinka kukoistaa, kukoistamaan täysin ihmisolentoina. And, and some of these perspectives might resonate for you more than others, but no matter, no matter which perspective you, you're using, uh, an essential piece here is, is to learn to care, learn to care about our own well-being, learn to care about the well-being of others, the well-being of everybody else, and the well-being of the planet. You know, if we are walking the path of practice, it's really not only about formal sitting meditation. It's really, it's really not only about just closing our eyes and sitting down and staying there for half an hour or 45 minutes. It's much, much larger than that. That it's 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 how it's about how we are in the world and how we act in the world and how we live in the world. So these precepts that Greg mentioned are guidelines that the Buddha offered us to help us live in a world, live in the world and act in the world in a way that supports our walking on the path. And in Finnish, they are called viisi harjoitusohjetta. And as Greg mentioned, this is, this is not chanted at the beginning of every retreat, but it's usually at least talked about at the, be at the beginning of, of every retreat in this tradition. And I'm going to put in the chat box uh, the list of the five precepts for you. And now I'm seeing that there seems to be a limitation on the length of, of the chat message. So I'm gonna paste another time. So there's an English version, English version at first, and then there's a Finnish version after that. And there are many possible ways to, you know, translate these presets, many possible ways to phrase this. And, and the ones that I've chosen are by Caroline Jones, a British teacher who some of you are familiar with. She has taught in Finland many, many times in the years back. And I, if I go through these uh, precepts, uh, one by one briefly, how they apply to this retreat situation. Well, first of all, they might look a bit different for each of you because your circumstances are different from each other. But the first one is about refraining from harming living beings. So 
in the context of this retreat, practicing refraining from harming, you know, the other participants, refraining from harming the manager or the teachers, hopefully, refraining from harming uh, the people you live with or anybody you might meet or the planet, you know, and refraining from harming yourself. You know, as Greg mentioned before, in the human mind, there's so often there's judgment, you know, self-judgment. We are very demanding of ourselves often. Uh, we might criticize ourselves a lot. So that's kind of harming ourselves oftentimes. So can we take this retreat as an opportunity to actually practice compassion and care for everyone? for others and ourselves, practice kindness, practice acceptance. And the second precept is about refraining from taking that which is not freely given so that your happiness wouldn't come at the expense of the happiness of somebody else or the happiness of the planet happiness of the living beings and through practice we might come to see more and more deeply and deeply that we don't really need that much materiality in order to feel content the third precept is about refraining from harm to sexuality and it's really natural that many different kinds of impulses and thoughts arise in the human mind. You know, everything that can be thought of can arise in the human mind. And then we let that happen. We, 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 we let all our thoughts and impulses, mind states come and go with openness and acceptance. But what we are practicing is that we are practicing refraining from acting on any impulse that is harmful for someone. The number four, refraining from harmful speech, means, for instance, refraining from speech that's, you know, refraining from lying or refraining from harsh, hurtful speech or refraining from gossiping. And for some of you, this might, if some of you might only ever speak in a small group during this retreat, some others might speak quite a lot every day if, if, if you really need to. But whatever the situation is, is, is a chance, a great opportunity to practice. And this is a particularly helpful area of practice to to, to help you in your life after the retreat, because we can cause so much harm to our speech, or we can be very helpful with our speech if we pay attention. So for instance, seeing if we can speak in a way that's truthful and useful and kind, And then the fifth and the final precept is about refraining from intoxicants that cloud the mind. 
And as Craig mentioned, the word vipassana refers to clear seeing. And with, with our practice with meditation, we are kind of moving in, in a direction of more clear mind, more clarity in the mind, more wisdom. And if we use intoxicants that cloud the mind, you know, having a glass of wine with our meal, so having a beer, if we are starting to experience something difficult, we are kind of heading in the opposite direction. So it wouldn't make much sense to use those substances on a retreat like this. But I just want to stress that this doesn't apply to any prescription medication that you might be using medication that has been prescribed to you by your doctor. So please do continue taking your prescription drug medication even on this retreat. And I think a very uh, helpful aspect for me uh, regarding this fifth precept is to think about things like devices and internet as, as, as something that kind of clouds the mind too. So, you know, if we spend time in the social media or browsing the web or playing games a lot, they, they kind, of, kind of fill our mind with a lot of... <laughs> A lot of stuff, stuff, but a lot of that is not, not especially helpful necessarily, especially for clear, <laughs> developing clear, clear seeing. So it kind of can be seen as an application of this precept to try and refrain from, you know, social media and internet and emails and notifications and games and reading as much as possible during this week. You know, this has been a lot to remember, uh, but you did really don't need to worry about remembering all five items, really no need for that. Like it's important, like it's, it's enough to remember the basic, very basic message, the core message, which is the paying, paying attention to what we are doing with an attitude of non-harming and compassion and remembering that we are all interconnected. So whatever like somebody in front of you is feeling is bound to affect how you're feeling and vice versa. We are all interconnected, no matter how much we, <laughs> we might want, want it to be otherwise. So how we treat others is going to have a big effect on the totality of things. So it's basically about following these precepts is about being mindful and being kind is what it's all about. And now, as we, like we chanted the refugees before, we are now going to chant the precepts. And I'm just going to paste the Pali version of the precepts in the chat box so you can see them there. And I'm going to leave the call and response chanting for these five. Panati Pata. Repeat. Panati Pata. Veramanisi Kapadam Samadhi Yami. 
There's a conclusion to this chanting that is usually done, often done, or by me. <laughs> and oh, there it is. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just do this for all of us, except the part after I do this first part in Pali, then we can all say sadhu, sadhu, sadhu together. So um, if you wish, it's a nice way to kind of uh, bring it all back together. And so it's uh, a reflection on the way that this this intention of mine to live carefully, mindfully, and cultivate connection and kindness really is the basis for my life and my practice. And so may it may it support me in my movement towards uh, this fullness, uh, living to learning what as Stephen Batchelor called it, uh, live, being able to live your life in the most fullest with the most fullness and completion possible with freedom of mind and heart with deep contentment so i'll just do that and then we can do the sadhu together idame silam bhagapalanyanasa pachayo hotu Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. <clears throat> so with this, I feel like we've, like the first part <laughs> this evening was like getting on the boat and bringing all our stuff on and now we just launched uh, the boat of the retreat out into the the ocean of our exploration. So we have launched it with this. 
And so now um, I'm going to just say a, a few more introductory words that will ease into a guided bit more of a meditation period. And, and you can, we can just start meditating right now, if you wish. In fact, I suggest that because I'm going to ask us to really explore our direct experience when I talk about a little bit about kind of the, the, the orientation of this particular retreat. And I've, I've spoken to this a little bit. I'll say a few more words now and maybe really elaborate some tomorrow. But we called this retreat, it's my title, but Anna agreed to it. So I'm going to say we. <laughs> Recognizing natural awareness. And it's an insight meditation retreat. And so we, we have this, this idea here. Well, if I'm, if I'm going to recognize natural awareness, then it's implied that there is something to recognize. <laughs> so as I suggested in the short guided meditation at the very beginning of the, the previous part of this, retreat opening, just now as you sit here, ask the question in your mind, in your heart internally, is there awareness? Or perhaps you could say, am I aware? Is there awareness? Am I aware? And see what, what happens when you bring that thought into the mind. So the answer to that question, I think for all of us would always have to be yes, because if we are have the presence of mind, if we're clear enough to ask the question, I think we have to answer yes. Is there awareness? Ask it again now. Get a feeling for that quality. And so it arises on its own. It's not something we fabricate or make or create or find and get. It's just there in that asking. And so we have this chance to start to really recognize it. It's as though we start to recognize when mindfulness is there, when it comes back, when it re-arises because of the conditions that allow for that. And one of the things that I think is really important here that I want to point out to is that there's not a lot of effort. Like I said, we're not making something happen. That awareness was there spontaneously just because we tuned or turned the mind in this way. 
So right now, let's try another exercise as we're sitting here. Let your attention come to the feeling of your hands touching, or if your hands are resting one on either one of your legs, maybe you can feel them both or pick one of them if that's better. Feel the sensations of your hands or one of your hands touching. Can you feel the sensations there? So I'll describe my experience to you. What I notice, I could say, I feel a light pressure. One of my hands is resting in the other one in my lap. I feel pressure, I feel coolness, a kind of tingling sensation, maybe I would call it, or, or a light pressure, something. And I also feel warmth. Maybe like a kind of subtle vibration or something, that tingling, maybe it's a vibration. So that's just my words for, for what I feel in that direct contact. But I don't have to like push my hands, I don't have to push them together to feel. I can let them relax there, rest there with no tension and I can feel those sensations. So that's a good, I think I like this, this uh, exercise because a lot of the time I think our, our kind of mental attitude in meditation is that we have to push. <laughs> it's as though we decided, oh, I have to push my hands together really hard. So this quality of awareness that I'm pointing to as Anna was saying, it's available in any moment. It can arise in any moment. And so we can start to learn this sense of recognizing it. We can bring it to our life, we can meet our life in this way. So for example, now you can notice the sound of my voice and maybe the sound of this paper rustling because I just moved a piece of paper I'm looking at. And so a lot of what I want us to do this week what I and I say we are hoping is that you'll start to get more and more familiar with this quality of awareness and with the direct and intimate experience of touching our life very directly and simply with this tool. We use this tool of meditation with this, this light 
touch in order to connect with the moments arising just as it is. We want to learn about life, about nature and the nature of our own life through this intimate direct touching. And we use it for insight into, you could say, the, the nature of things below the surface. We want to learn about the way things really are. So in this kind of practice, it's important to realize that we're not, we're not trying to create or find special, hopefully pleasant states or experiences to have blissful experiences, although we may have them and they're fine and good. It's not that we don't want to have them. But we're using these to, this practice in order to understand the deep inner nature of things. We want to get to the root of things. We want to find out what's, what's true or real, no matter what's happening. So we go below our preferences and our, our ideas about how it should be. And we get closer and closer to the way it really is. And so one thing that this leads to that's very important is that we're not here, this practice isn't about getting something we don't already have. It's not about going somewhere other than where we are right now. We're not going from here to there. We're going deeper into here. Deeper into here and now. And so we have this this tool of mindful awareness supports us in doing that. Because what we're looking for is a deep kind of peace or happiness or contentment or sense of fullness of being. that isn't dependent on things being a particular way. So in that case, it's really powerful and profound because we can't control the way things are, at least only, we have some influence, but we can't let it be, say, let it be just like this. Let me only have pleasant feelings in my body. Let my body not age or sicken. Let my mind always have pleasant thoughts and only beautiful, light, peaceful mind states. If we could decide and determine and will that into being, then we wouldn't have to meditate, certainly. We could just go home and be happy all the time, be at ease. But 
Not even the Buddha got to say, let it be only this way. So we're not getting a tool for that. But what we're learning is a way to relate to our experience, pleasant, unpleasant, peaceful, unpeaceful. Finding a way that we can uh, meet it from a place that is deeply at ease. So that's much more profound than just having a temporary peaceful blissful experience that passes away. So as we sit here now with this orientation, this ability right now of, to recognize awareness, this natural capacity of the mind and heart, Asking the question once more, don't ask it all the time, but now, is there awareness or am I aware? Let me turn towards our direct experience of this body, this mind, right now, just as it is. And so tomorrow I'll say more, but for now, it may be useful for you to find something that helps you connect with present moment experience, some aspect of what's happening that you can meet with this quality of mindful awareness. So it could be the sense of your body sitting, or the hands touching, that exercise I guided us in earlier. could be the experience of hearing, receiving sounds as they arise, or perhaps within the body, the feeling of the movement of the breath as it enters and leaves the body. There might be light touching sensations at your nostrils or back of your throat, or movement in the chest or the lower, the belly part of the abdomen rising and falling movement. So that might be useful to have a kind of, I think of it as a point of reference. Some teachers like to call it a, a gentle sort of anchor. or you could say a, a kind of primary experience or primary object that we use to help us keep things simple and kind of allow the, the attention to calm down and 
and collect itself because minds tend to be very scattered, especially feels that way maybe this time of day or at the start of the retreat. So it can be helpful just to gently connect with something like the sense of the posture of your body or your hands touching, maybe the experience of hearing or the sensations of breathing. Not trying to just force the attention to stay there, but using it as a place to begin and a place to begin again, a reference point within the a flow of changing experiences. Letting things be very simple and easeful. Reminding yourself that you'll begin again every time. The mind might wander into thinking and an awareness arises again, mindfulness arises. And you start again. You recognize that moment, ah, I'm here. It's like this in this, it's like this right now. Coming back.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.